and we've been talking about the arts and how good it is that families come together and parents and children dance in the same dance school and and experience something that we probably don't get to do in in city areas so this is rural uh, dance school and they have opportunities which are absolutely fabulous they compete in competition go to a steadfords put on a concert at the end of the year so their family can come and watch them it's a real community isn't it but i i think it is too and and i think we're really lucky in Aubrey because we have we have got lots of dance schools, lots of different options for people and that means there's, there's a lot of arts and a lot of um, theatre and a lot of musical theatre that happens in the area. There is a really thriving uh, arts community which which is really growing. I think the people who live in our area have wonderful opportunities to find a spot where they feel comfortable uh, and then, of course, you know, um, we wouldn't have a competition if there weren't other places, you know, doing dance and things as well. So, uh, and a lot of opportunity for community involvement as well, you know, in, in terms of um, performing and being involved in, in different community projects. Yeah, it brings communities together, doesn't it? I think so, yes. It's like, you know, dance is a bit like the arts the um the sport of the arts world really it's it, it sort of combines a little bit of everything it's been a very uh, the last five years since I've taken over the dance school it's been a very interesting process a very from a business perspective and from a, a per- personal perspective quite a quite a journey what in, was instilled in you to take over a dance studio <laughs> it's it? a little bit like Mount Everest. It was there. <laughs> so. You just took the opportunity. Um, oh, I'm going to do that now. Never had any experience with it at all in your life? Not personally as in being a dancer. The school that I, I took over was where my daughter danced for a long time. Right. So I was sort of familiar with peripherally with a lot of the stuff that went on. And it sort of, yeah, just went from there. It was sort of, it became available, I guess. And I'd been working at the local council for about 13 or 14 years. As I said, it was midlife crisis. But look, gee, I'd really recommend that to people I used to say go traveling <laughs> but now I just say with with COVID I just say just buy a fast red car <laughs> because it's, it's a heck of a really... lot easier to have that sort of a, a midlife crisis than buy a dance studio so <laughs> yeah oh so. well you, you're five years down the track and you're still there so that's that says something yeah about your passion yeah. Yeah. and wanting to help the community and bring people together. So it's absolutely fabulous to do that. Now, you live on a farm. Yes. What sort of farm is it? It's mixed cropping and sheep. We're about 50 kilometres northwest of Aubrey-Wodonga, southern New South Wales, and my husband's family have had the farm since 1909 or something. And, of course, I met... Um, Hamish and we decided to get married and his parents moved off and we moved on and I've been here ever since so I love it I love it I love I think I love the dance studio because there's a lot of people there and I um, I love talking I love sharing stories with people I love finding out how they're going I love being able to put on a show at the end of the year I love um, I love directing it I love watching the team 
work together to to pull it all together and you know I love I just really enjoyed the whole process it's stressful it's stressful for everybody but the end product is always fabulous and um so I've got that side of my life and then I've got the farm side yeah, as now well. let's let's talk a little bit yeah. about the farm side because you would have yeah. gone through the droughts there would there have been fires, no rain. Oh, what's yeah. it, what's yes. it like living on a farm and trying to grow mixed crops and have sheep, the shearing and everything like that when you've got drought? What's it like? We call our life tractors and tutus. Tractors um, and tutus. Hamish is the tractor and I'm the tutu. It's a very odd mix. And I do have to say I'm not that much more physically involved in the farm than I was at, you know, at one stage. Um, Captain Marvellous does most of that and I help with the books. And if I'm at home I uh, and he works out, I go and help in the sheep yards and things like that. So what so, sort of things do you do in the sheep yards? I yell at the sheep. <laughs> Does that give you satisfaction and, when you're and frustrated? And get yelled at. <laughs> Any farmer's wife will say, and and, and you get yelled at. But um, Why are uh, sheep at are sheep? very, very frustrating animals. But I do, at busy times of the year, I do, this is where the catering comes in handy. Um, I do a lot of box lunches and all of that sort of thing. And um, I do a lot of taxi, a lot of taxi driving and a lot of, a lot of support. And can you run me here? And can you run me there? Look, honestly, Hamish has been doing this all his life. He's got it down pat. He's very, very capable. So I don't actually physically have to do uh do too much which is great because you've got another side of life but yeah you know what's what's it like living with drought oh look very very frustrating you have to be very philosophical and and strong you can't do anything about it all you can do is prepare for it and we factor in a drought into budgets, into our life, into whatever, every seven years we know that's, you know, and then if it's not a drought, something else is going to happen. So so you're sort of fairly in, in a way prepared because you have to be constantly, constantly aware that, that something could always happen. The bushfires, for example, like that that was that was horrific we Hamish was involved in fighting with those but we weren't in any danger we weren't anywhere near them like yeah luckily I it was a bit it was very scary and very stressful anyway but that's a whole other story but the really the really worst thing was the mouse plague the Uh, mouse plague uh, the mouse plague. Look, you, you get you get pretty resilient living on the farm, and you laugh things off. And we have a lot of fun, and and no matter what the droughts, the floods, the whatever, it's it's all worth it. It's mm. all you know. It brings communities yes, together to support each other, and yes. know, yeah. you know who needs help and who yeah. doesn't, and what whatever. It, it, exactly, and it's all done very quietly and very calmly, and no, you know, there's no fuss and there's there's no stress and. The blokes around here are really laconic and it's, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's going to rain eventually and <laughs> and everyone's got a story. It's all very interesting. But Bring the sorry. show on the road and go and come and visit a farm. Well, I did, at one stage I was thinking about a farm stay and then insurance issues 
sort of happened. Um, look, I've started three or four gardens out here and they've all died. Because and I think drought. that was also, you know, also just because we didn't have enough water and it's very, look, we're in the, riverine, in the Riverina, so it's a very safe area to farm. But even so, it, you know, it can be quite tricky. But as I said, the mouse plague was the only time I have ever considered moving in with my mother-in-law moving out of the farmhouse it was just and, and I, one of my my kids is is absolutely terrified of mice so but Hamish was was you know Captain Marvelous was setting getting up at five o'clock in the morning to empty the traps and reset them and 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 it was there was literally I know people are going to cringe there was literally a carpet of mice every oh, night it was, no. it was how did you sleep Oh, you, you made sure everything was tucked in and nothing could climb up anywhere. But all my sewing materials, the you know, they eat everything. Like they ate all my thread and oh. um and which was I know just it was quite bizarre. And so, um, <laughs> and then we tried to poison them, and you and and then all I think all that did was make their their poo green or blue I don't think it really um really poisoned very many mice and <laughs> but they were just everywhere it really was quite quite icky and smelly and horrible how did you clean uh, anyway, it all up fun. well and truly done that's over with and I'm still here so yeah. how did you clean that up you know all the mess that they oh. would have made and the stench and everything like that it would have taken a long time it did. It, it did. We just had to. We emptied a lot of stuff. We threw out a lot of stuff. Everything is now packed in plastic boxes. Nothing in the pantry is in paper anymore unless it's kept in the fridge. Even now, everything's in, um, you know, in Tupperware or plastic containers. You get. You sort of get used to cleaning, and I, I do have to fess up. I'm not very good at it. I'm quite a slack house housekeeper, but you know. The dust. The worst thing about the drought, I think, was the dust that came through the place, mm. uh, and and you would get a dust storm, and and literally the back floor in the um, in the family room would look like a beach, an orange beach, because the dust was that thick. So I remember coming home one night and one afternoon and getting really cranky with Hamish and going, "Oh my goodness, you know, you could have at least swept the floor before I got home." And he said, "I did," and I went, "Oh." <laughs> he did, and it came back again. He did. Oh, yeah, and it was just it was just dusty and whatever. But anyway, it's it, it's funny because I was listening to the radio this morning, and people were saying, you know, uh, women so uh, value or or people used to put a lot of value on the way that a woman and how clean she kept her house, the housewife thing. Uh, and I'm going. <laughs> and, and so many women now, professionals and doing things just, you know, just say you outsource or you just don't, you know, you just don't worry about it. Uh, and and I think that's probably, you, you no, you don't. You know, you, you, yeah. you can do so many things in a day and something has to give. And so if you're mm. enjoying what you're doing, I think a little bit of housework's not going to matter if you do it or you don't do it when, no. you know, whatever. And you can be house proud and all the rest of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, life's too short to be worried about, oh, I, you know. I so, I so, so agree. And I've always got the advantage of a long drive 
So so if somebody's coming up the drive, I've really got time to do a quick whiz round and tidy up before they get here. Or at least, you know, close at least shove everything into the laundry or under the beds and close the doors. But how do you so, know they're coming if you've got such a I long... can hear them. You can hear them. I can hear them. I can hear the cars and the dogs our dogs know who drives past often and, and you learn to recognise the bark. Um, and that you know, there's a stranger coming up the bar, up the lane drive. Up, uh, sorry, a stranger coming up the drive bark. Really? Yeah. And then there's the snake bark. Oh. Then there's the quick daddy's on his way home bark. And then there's the hurry up, I want my dinner bark. <laughs> and then there's mum, mum, the kids are in the yard bark. And then oh, here come the horses bark. And then oh my gosh, there's sheep. Bark. <laughs> I'm going to take you, you back. Get to know the dogs pretty well. I'm going to take you back to the snakes. No. <laughs> how, how many snakes do you get there? Not so much anymore. I sort of, I sort of have to be a little bit careful talking about snakes because, to be quite honest, all my stories end up with them dead. It's probably illegal, in fact, and it's not very nice for the snakes who are really just doing their snaky thing. What do you mean um, it's not very nice we, for the snake? The snake's got to die. Sorry. <laughs> they do. They end I up dying. I am absolutely uh, terrified of snakes. They – well, we've we've had a lot in the past. We've had them in the house. Oh, um, not in your bed. We've had them on the verandas. Yeah, um, my kids from the age of uh, as soon as they could walk knew where the snake bandages were in case anybody got bitten. Uh, so, uh, so we're very, very aware of it. And the dogs definitely have a snake bark. Uh, but that's why we have the dogs as well. We've been talking about <laughs> snakes with Libby Ellis, who lives on a farm in regional New South Wales. Where sort of whereabouts is it, your farm? We're we're about halfway between Wagga and Albury, so we're in the Riverina, right. yeah, and and about about fifty minutes from Albury and just over an hour from Wagga, situated in you know you know a, a fairly safe area of the country, right? Yeah, and so, but with a lot of brown snakes, or it oh, used to have a lot of brown. Oh God, it just <laughs> terrifies me. Tell me what sort of crops you grow. You said mixed crops. So what do you grow? Mostly, mostly wheat and canola at the moment. Occasionally lupins, occasionally peas, barley, quite often. Yeah, and that's about it, really. Yeah. Depending on the season, uh, is sorry. that what you grow, or you know, the conditions, or uh, yes, depending it- depending on the season, depending on the markets, also depending on the the farm plant and rotating. You know, the rotating rotation. the paddocks yeah. and and yeah, basically. So. Yeah. And so do you know in advance a year or two which crops you're going to grow in what paddocks and things like that or is it information? Yeah, definitely. Well, Hamish plans it all. Well, so he knows, yes. I, you know, I just do what I'm told to do when it comes to, to that sort of thing. But, yeah, and, you know, he puts it all in. He, we have contractors who, who help take it off at harvest time. Yeah, so yeah. but he's got a plan. Yeah. yeah, and you'd have to have that Always, yeah. few years in advance and know what the yes. crops yeah. yearly yeah. so that the ground doesn't yeah. get used to that one particular crop. That's why you rotate, isn't it? Is that the reason for doing um, it or is it? It's one reason. One Another reason is you can do it for, for all sorts of reasons, give a, a rest or you want to change the way that you're Soil. dealing with the country yeah. at the time. Yeah, it also depends on 
gosh, you should really be talking to Hamish about this, Faye, not me. I just. <laughs> so I'm going to do a road trip and I love it. And, and I look out at it and I, I basically know what's going on. But, yeah, and also sometimes look if, if you've got a particular weed problem, the rotation will change. And there's all sorts of, you know, growing a crop is not simply just putting it in the ground. No. There's all sorts of things you have to do to grow an optimal crop. And so there'll be soil tests and the soil tests will tell you uh, what you need to put on your paddock in order to grow the best crop that you can. And so, you know, you spread things before, you put the crop in, you spread more things, you spray the crop, you, you know, you do all sorts of things to it. So it's not just a matter of putting it in the ground and waiting for it to come up and no. then going away and leaving it and harvesting it. Yeah. It's like anything that you do in life, you know, if you want to do it well and you want to get a good result, then you have to monitor it and you have to look after it basically so and when you spray um, when you spray the crops you spray them so that the insects don't come in and take over or any anything like that um it's a protection yes thing. it would be yes it would be that that's one reason and the other thing is is for you know things like fungal diseases and obviously a plant that's not healthy doesn't grow as well mm. so but i'm certainly not an agricultural expert in any way shape or form it's i rely on captain marvelous to do that so <laughs> i just his, do his books for him how did he in, get his name <laughs> i swear captain marvelous i swear he only married me because because i had a computer and and he wanted to get yeah, get his systems happening on computer. So, and that was a long time ago now. So, how many children do you have? I have three. I have um, a boy and two girls. Right. Do any of them so work on the farm? They come back and work on the farm, um, and they come back and live on the farm occasionally. But at the moment, they're all off doing other things. One is an engineer. One is a journalist currently looking for a job getting lots of casual work around home, which is nice. And the other one is a dancer who is uh, finished um, a four-year dance degree and then COVID hit and so has bought boards and plans and is now studying science, neuroscience as well and still dancing when she can. Okay. So and teaching is big and the arts are big. So uh, and have trouble deciding. Yeah, wants to do both and had and had her little plan and she had, I think, um, intended to do a bit more dancing. Um, and I just also need to say that the dance studio and my dancing daughter are not related in any way, shape or form. The, the dance studio has nothing to do with, she doesn't want to be a dance teacher in it or have a dance studio. This was my thing, not hers. What did she say to you when you took it over? Oh, I know she thought I was insane. I, I think everyone thought I was, I think everyone thought I was insane. No, she hadn't left school, but she was in school at Sydney, in Sydney at that stage. She went away for the last two years of school. It's not that's not her thing. She loves to dance and she loves to perform. Um, she's a contemporary dancer. Dance studios are not her thing. That's, anyway, she was all ready to go and do a few things dancing wise when COVID hit. While COVID was happening, she just bought a whole lot of plants forward. And instead of you know dancing now and then you know doing the science in about three or four years, she's brought the science forward. Mm. And I suspect that she's going to turn into a academic and possibly put well I know she will put the dance and the science together mm. so I think that's why then the neuroscience very interested in the mind and the body and how it all works together the expression so, and yeah it'd be fabulous yeah absolutely fabulous yes. to yeah to work in those. and she's actually um 
actually involved with the new uh, Science Museum. Okay. As one of the youth ambassadors or something like that too. Yeah. So she's got a definite love for both dance and, and science. And the other two, not dancey at all, definitely sporty, definitely drama kids. They love the drama. Uh, we're both very involved with drama and one teaches it at the moment. And, and again, not with any thought of becoming a star or becoming an actor, but the communication side of things and the understanding that, you know, taking on that, like we were talking about before, taking on another role and and the confidence and being able to talk in public and things like that. So, And that that's mm. really important. So what else have you yeah. done in your life? You've taken on a dance studio. You went to South Africa for a year between work and school and work. You came back and you went into the catering area. You've you've done so many things. What's next for you? Oh well, I've got I've got studio plans. COVID sort of changed Hamish's and my life quite a bit. He wasn't dreadfully affected because he's on his own out here a lot at the farm. And in fact, he thought it was fabulous for that seven week lockdown. He had two kids and me at home. We couldn't go anywhere. So he had, so he thought that was absolutely great. How did you feel about being locked down for seven weeks? Well, it's interesting. I thought I would hate it, but we had Zoom. My, my fabulous teachers and my fabulous, fabulous team were amazing. We finished classes on the 28th of March, which was a Saturday. I gave them a quick Zoom lesson on the Sunday. They all went into Zoom lessons for every class except about three on the Monday. We tried to look for the silver linings in that. And my silver lining was I got seven weeks at home where I was forced to be at home. So I wasn't running around like it took with its head cut off, but I was still communicating and everything still went fine, as fine as anything could go in COVID. Although it was very stressful and it was very, we made it through and we're still going and I've got you know, all sorts of all sorts of plans and things because Hamish and I were going to travel. The kids had finished uni. We'd got every, we, you know, all of that sort of thing would happen. We actually, and my sister lives in the UK, so we had lots of, you know, fabulous stuff organised over the next three years, which probably, well, we'd actually paid for and booked our tickets right, oh, I think it was about the 20th of January. Oh, so, no. so, so that, you know, we were going to travel in June, July. So that didn't happen. And as I said, the studio, we've made it through. We've made it through COVID. Um, things are starting to happen again. Things are never going to be the same, but I think um, there's still a whole lot of stuff that we can do in terms of, of performing arts and that you know that a dance studio can do in our community so absolutely and the other other thing that that I've just started with some some friends of mine is it's still very very new but we've just finally formed an organization called Insight Performing Arts which is a true community organization it's not a business and that is going to act as a vehicle to provide performing arts experiences for kids and disadvantaged groups in, mm. in the country. One of the things when you your children are into music or art or drama is 
a lot of really fabulous experiences happen in the city. So if you wanted to go along to a NIDA workshop or something, then, you know, they're a week long and, and let alone the fees that you have to pay for one kid to do that, which could be anywhere from three to $700 for the week. You know, you've got to get them there. You've got to find accommodation for them. You have to, you know, what do you do with the rest of the family? If they're young, you know, do you take the whole family along? It's And, and it can get very, Out of very hand. expensive. Get out of hand. Yes. One of the things that's always sort of been at the back of my mind is to bring, uh, I mean, we have absolutely fabulous people in the area who do lots of wonderful things anyway. But to try and sort of, you know, get past this country city thing a little bit and bring people to country areas to run workshops and to do things. So to, to give our, our kids who can't afford to do a lot of the these courses and things in in the cities bring those experiences to the country absolutely so, that that is essential yeah. isn't so it so hopefully Hopefully, yeah, hopefully that'll, you know, as I said, it's very new. We've only just formed the organisation, so we're taking it you know, very quietly, but I've got lots of ideas. Beautiful. Lots of stuff that Beautiful. I'd really like to do. It's really yeah. important, isn't it, that you can bring, if you see opportunities where you can bring the community together even closer to support the surrounding areas as well in the rural areas yes it's really important that you bring people together and bring those ideas together and put them out there and get the support of the community instead of then sitting back and saying oh nothing happens here but nothing happens if you don't do anything about it does it so therefore if you're proactive you can get things done. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm sort of really into providing jobs for artists at, as well and opportunities for artists as well. So that's another way of doing that. Like, you know, I always buy the music. We never, you know, the studio and my kids were never allowed to download any, anything for free. They had to buy it and they had to do that because, you know, that was sort of at that stage my way of supporting musicians and things. So I'm, I'm quite passionate about artistic people being paid and being paid properly for what Mm. they do Mm. and there's this this sort of you know idea out there in society that you know people who are artistic if you're artistic it means you can't run a business or you can't do this or you can't do that why not well exactly exactly you can it's just that it's giving the people the skills and the opportunities to do that as well there are some wonderful arts opportunities in you know in country areas and some great support systems through the federal and state governments as well so they do it they do a fabulous job but you're always competing against sport which is a bit tricky but yeah so but you know what if if you keep doing it then they will be familiar with who you are and what your needs are and they will develop that that trust and that relationship mm. so that you can continue on doing what you do because they'll see the value and the purpose in it absolutely and and this organization is not um, my dance school centric. It's, I, I guess it's sort of associated, um, but I'm not the chairman of the committee. So, you know, it's being, while I guess, you know, my, my school would be involved, so would every other school, other dance school 
you know, hopefully they don't even know about it yet, but the things that that organisation are providing are available for everybody to get there yeah. and get to that stage. And they will know eventually. They'll get to know what's available for mm. them as well. And and I think that will mm. bring the community a little bit closer as well because if mm. you don't know and you have to apply for a grant, grants are not easy to fill out. No, no. And it, that used to be one of my jobs at um, council was finding grants. Mm. So, yeah, I know a fair bit about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and helping community groups plan to apply for grants. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, hopefully those schools will come in useful. And making them aware that they're out there for them because sometimes they're not. Mm. So it's really mm. interesting Absolutely. to to think about that and make it known to them so that they can take advantage of that and become better themselves because mm. that's what it's all about. A- Absolutely. It? It's about, you know, I guess, you know, empowering people and giving people the opportunity to do things and to come up with ideas and have, have a body that can help them achieve whatever it is that they want to do as long as it's associated with the, the performing arts in some way or shape or form then hopefully we'll be able to, to help them do that Fair. and attract some local sponsorship. Hmm. Let's talk about what haven't, what haven't we talked about that you've done? What experience Oh gosh! Is there anything? <laughs> oh, there's there's a lot out there that I haven't done. Trust me. Trust what is there? <laughs> there's well, a lot I still a lot I a lot I still want to do. Okay. What is something oh, that you actually love to do? No, one thing. Heaps, heaps. heaps. Oh, one thing that I love yeah. to. I love to make tutus. Oh. I love to. Are you serious? <laughs> You'd oh, love- they're, they're, yes, yes, they're extremely frustrating. I don't make them very well and they're challenging and I, I keep pricking my finger and getting blood all over them. <laughs> but I do enjoy making costumes. You would um, love and, to make tutus. Um, and I, I do and I have done in the past, but at the moment I'm so busy with the studio, there's not a lot of time for that. But one day things become a little bit more self-sufficient, I'll go, I can go back to that. So, and I really want to do some drawing lessons. I've never, I've never drawn. I've got no idea if I can do it or not. Um, and I, I really don't care if I'm good at it or not. I just want to have some drawing lessons. Have so, some fun doing uh, it too. Yeah, have 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 some fun doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but look, there are still so many, so many more things that that I could do and that I would like to do. It's just a matter of, oh gosh, where do you start? You can't do everything. You have to sort of prioritize. And yeah, but the so tutus and drawing. What else? I spent twenty years of my life making costumes. Dance costumes. <laughs> Way back when you had to sew every sequin on the on the costume. No way. Yeah. And making yeah. tutus? Oh, forget it. Forget it. It's a dying art. It's a dying art. I have a very, very uh, – the gentleman who taught me how to make tutus is amazingly skilled and I would love to spend some more time learning more things about tutus. At the moment, that's not possible. I but wonder I, why. You know, I have done it in, in the past. Oh, yes, you know, small business owners. <laughs> It's you know there's when you own a small business there's always something that you can do to improve it I mean any business whatever you do I think there's always something um, always and I keep getting these ideas and going oh I'll just 
before I finish up, I'll just do this and I'll just do that. And as I said, COVID has changed. So, you know, uh, I might be around the dance studio a little bit longer than I originally intended. And and we're, we're doing things like putting in now vocational education courses. For um, dance? For or dance, really? yes. Okay. For dance and management. But right. mostly like, like a combination of dance teaching and management plus dance. So, okay. again, for lots of reasons, but so that kids if they want to have a gap year and they want to learn they want to keep dancing they're not ready or they want to teach dancing then there's some local options for them as well that is haven't got to go to melbourne that is fantastic because yeah you know providing those so you work under the provision of an rto because they've been nationally accredited courses that you would be running absolutely yeah Yeah. and and you've got an rto that you would work with Yes, we work with this fabulous organisation called the Australian Teachers of Dance who are, you know, a peak body as well as an RTO and thank heavens for them because otherwise I couldn't do this. There's no way I would want to become a registered training organisation. Yeah, we were never again. Oh. No, just I have enough compliance stuff in my life without having to worry about that. When all we what we want to do is is you know teach these kids and and get them some qualifications. So that's sort of where we're heading with with the studio, and also what a great opportunity for some of the kids who want to move yeah. on and go further with dance and. Theatre and just, you know, and, and not necessarily, you know, they may or may not make it a career and, and that's fine, but it's a qualification um, and it's a it's a learning process and, and you know, learning processes generate more learning processes and, and my view is that there's always something that you can learn and always something about your processes or your procedures or your practice that you can do better. So I, I love the fact that we're this, this <laughs> learning organisation, you know, we're not only learning, I think, I, you know, I learn as much from my team just working with them. Um, we learn from the kids. The kids learn from us and we get starting to get some really fabulous synergies. And, in fact, this year we're going to start our um, little assistant teachers course. I shouldn't say little. It's not. But it's, you know, aimed at 14, 15, 16-year-olds before they hit the eight. HSC or those those are heady study years and they can do two or three competencies they go into a class for a year work with the teacher and they will come out at the end of end of the year when they've been assessed with anywhere up to between two and four competencies which are nationally recognized and we're training fabulous teachers so you know fabulous dancers so it's just yeah all sorts of stuff starting to come together they say you know it takes about five years for small business to really get up and going and whatever so um, I've hit the five years so hopefully it's just full steam ahead. It's just growth now isn't it it's it's extending what you have been doing but the opportunities that you're actually giving to these students and even the teachers is incredible because they can you know the students can go off and have these skills in the background and may want to use mm-hmm. them one day or they may want to go straight away and use them somewhere if they're mm. traveling well we can't travel anywhere right now only in Australia no. <laughs> but if if they yeah. want to travel around Australia they might be able to pick up some teaching dance 
you know, in a dance school or, you know, or a community mm. centre or something like that. They mm. can offer, you know, the adult ed courses. They could go and teach mm. dance for 10, 10 weeks or whatever mm. it is, you know, these sorts of things. Absolutely. And they're, they're getting, you know, a qualification for something that they really enjoy doing. So so not only uh, like if you, I mean, you can, at our studio, you can do it recreationally or you can sort of take it a little bit more seriously. And because we we follow the Royal Academy of Dance Syllabus, they come out with those qualifications, which are also nationally, well, they're actually recognised worldwide. But you put that together with the something from the Australian Bed System, uh, they're very, very complementary. So the kids are coming out feeling like they've achieved something and sometimes it's the process as well as the outcome that's just as important so they've been through this process they see value in um, or more value in what they've been doing as a hobby or a, a sport or an interest for for that period of time I think with the other bits of paper or the qualifications, I won't say bits of paper, um, other people out there recognise that as well. And if you're an employer, if you see somebody who, know, you know, you know that they have worked and have followed a process to get this piece of paper and it's all equal, you know, with somebody else, who are you going to give the job to? The person who you know, I mean, you know, as I said, all else being equal. So it's quite, and, and look, the, the dance industry is totally unregulated. It's very, very unregulated. Anyone can go up and, and, and start a dance school. So the thing that my colleagues and I are, are sort of involved with is that when if kids want to do this, absolutely go for it, but do it safely. Know what you're getting yourself into and, and have a bit of an idea about what that is first because it's pretty, um, you know, well, it's a pretty tough world out there. And, and it's a huge responsibility to be a dance teacher. There's insurances. There's all sorts of things that you need to consider. And I've watched mm. some of the students come up through the ranks in from very young into teaching and then going out and starting their own schools up and being very successful. But it's not just starting a school, is it? There's all the other bits and no. pieces that surround it as well. You know, you've got to have a business head on you. You've got to have the insurances which cover you for whatever may, may not go wrong. And it's all about having those processes in place, which you're actually providing for your students with, you know, the vet programs and, and the management and that sort of thing that you're combining together to teach them skills mm. that they would probably never have had. They may not want to go to uni. No. So they'll go out and they'll do something that's constructive with their life because you've given them the opportunity to do that. I think that's fabulous. Well, I hope so. And and as I said, you know, look, I'm, I'm a believer in lifelong learning. You've got to start somewhere. A lot of people aren't ready for uni straight out of school. A lot of people don't know what they do. And I think that the vets, despite it, I do have some criticisms of it, of course, but I think it's terribly, terribly undervalued um, in, in terms of education and as a pathway to different places. There's this very, very big focus on uni and going to uni and having a degree and it's really, really important. I absolutely get that. But all of my kids have got one and I've got one, so I wouldn't at all undervalue it. But you know, there are different pathways and different ways that you can go about getting it and you can come to study and to learning and to research and to all of this sort of stuff along very different pathways and giving people some skills 
is a really good way to start them off, whether they're going to do a degree or not and, or and, go to uni or not. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, the thing is that they've got an opportunity, they've got some skills, and not everyone is cut out to go to uni. And I always say that if you're going to do a university degree, know what the outcome is first. What is it that you want to get out of that degree? Mm. What opportunities do you have when you finish that degree? Because it, it costs a lot of money to do a degree mm. in university. And it takes time. And if you fail, you've wasted that money. You still have to pay it. So mm. I think that I know I used to always ask my students, you know, if you're going to uni, why are you going? What are you doing that for? What is the purpose of it? You know, what opportunities can it create for you when you finish that degree? It's really important that they look into the future, if and particularly if they're going to spend mm. a lot of money on a degree, whereas with the the vet and and even the VCAL training that you the that's provided yours as vet, and I know that there are kids out there that come out of mainstream school in year when they're going to do their year eleven, and they go into a vet program because they want to play a particular sport and they want to learn more about that so there's opportunities there for them as well so what you're providing is is fabulous for those students who may never go to university and what is you know what's a university degree it's a piece of paper as to whether it gets think, you a job um, or not is another thing exactly i think i think what it does get you i mean was up to my kids whether they went to uni or not they all decided to do that in different ways and different methods um, and at different times but i think i think the process of that particularly coming from the country when they went to school they went to a, a school with a maximum of 20 kids oh, and wow. high, their high school was very yeah their high school was very small as well we we were particularly keen that they get out and experience living in other places. We very desperately want them to come back. We don't want them to go forever. But what we want them to do is bring those skills and that knowledge and that expertise back into the country areas. And by going to uni, apart from sort of increasing their, their networks and meeting a lot of other people, they're taught, I guess, or I hope they have been taught how to learn and taught how to analyse and taught how to do this. So I think sometimes, as I was saying about, you know, the process being as important as yeah. the outcome yeah. is as important as, as, as well. So, and it's it's a bit the same with, with kids and the vet system. There's so many, you know, so many wonderful things you can learn and you can do and, and transportable skills. Like, you know, if, if, if you learn uh, one of the, the courses that we do is the certificate for in uh, teaching and management in dance teaching and management you don't only get those teaching skills which are applicable across you know things you get some of the management skills mm. as well um, and you can take those anywhere and apply them to anything you can apply them to your life and um, you can apply them to whatever work you're doing I, that's what I really like about it I think so having yeah. been through both systems having been through TAFE and having been through a uni, yeah, it's they're both very, very important. They can complement mm. each other, can't they? But you've got to absolutely start, they can start somewhere. Mm. And if you're not, if you feel yeah. like you're not academic enough, you can go through the vet system. But that may give you the confidence as a mature age student to go on and do a uni degree. Absolutely, 
Yeah, and it's about, you know, it's about meeting deadlines, it's about practising, it's about asking for help if you need it. There's there's just so many, you know, so many different life skills that, you know, we're sort of hoping to give the kids when they're 14 or 15 so that they can carry them through uh, into their senior years at school and into life. Okay. So fingers crossed. Anyway, that's what that's what we're aiming to do. Fantastic. Hopefully we'll get there. Fantastic. Now, yeah. if you have anyone living in the rural community that you would give a tip to in regards to picking up a life skill, that could be dancing, it could be some of the education that you run um, or whatever's offered within the rural community, what would you say to them if they were sitting back and hesitating? <laughs> Oh, give it a go, whatever it is. Even if it, even if you turn out not liking it, it doesn't matter. You will still have learnt something. You will have still have tried something new. You will have learnt, if nothing else, something about yourself. Uh, and um, who knows if it's, you know, it, it, it might take you off in a completely different direction to where you thought you were going. And it might be scary and it might be, you think, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? And you might get partway into it and go, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd never started. But just get up and have a go. Be brave and give it a go. You will learn something and no learning is ever wasted, no, ever. it's not. How can they get in contact with you, Libby? Oh, with me? Oh, yeah. I'm on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Libby Ellis. But I'm also through... Uh, yes, Libby Ellis. Also through the website for the dance school, which is it's Murray Youth Performing Arts. Through the website, you can you can get hold of me. Yeah, or LinkedIn or any of those sorts of things. Beautiful. So, and if you know me, you always know just to give me a call. Libby, thank you so much. It's been delightful having this conversation.